Hi, welcome to Serendipity City. These world building episodes require a little bit of explanation, so I wanted to give you some context before we just jump into it. If world building and character building isn't your jam, you can totally skip these first two episodes and start with episode one of the actual play, and you will still be able to figure out what's going on as it goes along. But if you are a big nerd for world building or character building and you want all of the extra background, then this is a great place to start. In this audio, we talk about the general concept for the world and the characters at a fairly high level. There will be some group audio where I'm discussing it with four of the other people involved. And then after that, it cuts to some solo audio where I'm discussing it alone with Evan, uh, who is one of the players who couldn't make it to the group recording session that specific time. So without further ado, let's get into it. Let's go around and introduce ourselves real quick, starting with um, me. We'll we'll just like, we can just say our name, um, like gaming background, and uh, that's it, I guess. So I'm Michelle Nicolaison. I've been playing D&D for like six months or a year off and on, (laughs) not very long. Uh, And I corralled everybody into doing this with me. So I'm going to be the DM or GM, I guess, for this. I think they actually call that MC in this system. Ooh. Uh, Up to you. Oh, I'm Gloria Walker, um, and I have played Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, and um, what's the other one that's not a number? I can't remember what it's called anymore. I played, it's... um, Is it like 5th edition? Pathfinder? Pathfinder. That's the one. I've played that too. Um, And I've played like one game I played for like two years, but it was like every other weekend. Um, and the other one, I only played like twice total. So um, I have some experience. I'm in general just a big nerd, and I'm really excited for the world to hear my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, I'm Nick Mo. I have never played D&D or anything even remotely similar, um, but I do love board games. And so I have played Munchkin, and I've been told that this is sort of kind of even remotely (laughs) similar to that. So this should be a really interesting adventure. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm uh, Jennifer Alexander. I've played just about every kind of video game from WoW to Diablo, all those nerdy things. And I've played D&D in college, and I play a regular vampire or white wolf gaming. So where we do werewolf, apocalypse, mage, and wrath. So, And I'm super excited to be here. My name is Diego Hernandez, and... I have also never played D&D or any role-playing game. Um, I do love board games. Uh, but, yeah, I've never played anything remotely like this, so I'm excited to Yeah, I think you're all going to be really good at it. That's why I corralled. I, like, asked, like, people that I thought were funny and creative. So uh, I just saw that you have Star Trek Catan, and it just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending a picture to my roommate to be like, hey, buy this now. <laughs> So the first thing I want to talk about as far as the world goes is um, tone. I just wanted to make sure we're all mostly on the same page as far as the tone. There will probably be some things that I'll adjust in the gaming system because most of the we're going to be using two different hacks of the Powered by the Apocalypse system. One is called the Sprawl, which is meant to be sort of like a classic cyberpunk kind of thing. And one is called Urban Shadows, um, which is like uh, magical realism, urban fantasy kind of thing. So we're not doing like cyberpunk, cyberpunk, but the reason that I like that is because like it's um, basically following like 
a gang of underdogs as they try and navigate this huge city. And I really like the idea of that. But all the mechanics are meant for like techie stuff. And Urban Shadows is um, about like it's all the mechanics are meant for fantasy stuff. But it's also like kind of like the whole theme of the game is seeing how like is like absolute power corrupts absolutely so it's seeing like all of the it's following like all of these like oppressed people and underdogs as they like navigate this horrible city and the things that they'll do to try and gain power and it marks corruption and like it uh watches the characters become corrupt over time and that's a little darker than i really want to do i don't have a whole lot of tolerance for uh super dark stuff at the moment because all i can do for that is turn on the news the world is already super dark. <laughs> yeah we're right. living in a cyberpunk dystopia already so so what, what is the time frame like when are we taking place yeah so i'm thinking like and that's another thing that i wanted to touch on i have like a couple of topics um worldwide before we get to the um characters uh the what I was thinking was sort of like roughly 1920s one of the things that I wanted to talk about and I wanted to see what you guys thought about this was if we wanted to make it like specifically 1920s or if it because you know like uh, kind of the same way if we wanted to like make it like set in a specific city in the world in the 1920s or if it was just going to be something with sort of like a 1920s vibe kind of how like traditional high fantasy has like a medieval vibe mm -hmm. but like it's not actually set in a medieval you know like lord of the rings like, is not set yeah like or a futuristic city. that's gone apocalypse back to the 1920s kind of setting you know? i kind of oh. like the idea of not like specifying it's the 1920s because i love anachronisms and i feel like yeah. also we're gonna need some different and like anachronisms to help us with like you know completing tasks or things because you know maybe like like in it, the adventure zone they have like the stones of far speech which are like basically their walkie talkies like so i can imagine that we'll be that we could incorporate some sort of anachronisms if we don't specifically say this is the 1920s yeah especially going with a, like a cyberpunk theme you want some kind of like you know magical device like she said like the farce you know well and like so so this one we won't be doing as much of us it'll be more of like um i think like like, I guess diesel punk is sort of that the same vibe, but like setback because I don't want it to be like high, high tech. Um, mm -hmm. I was thinking it would be cool to have something because like I've seen a lot of um, where I got the idea was I've seen a lot of uh, stuff that's like high fantasy that's basically set in like medieval or Victorian era. And then I've seen a lot of it that's set in like the future where there's like both high tech and high magic. Um, but I haven't seen anything. And also I'm just like obsessed with the 1920s uh, <laughs> aesthetic and vibe. So that was kind of what like so that's kind of yeah and, and i was kind of thinking i mean if nothing else from a dm perspective if we wanted to go full alternate history so okay so we've so we're gonna do like not strictly alternate universe um as in like not set in an alternate like yeah which is great because that means less research for me personally that means i get to spend more time on the fun part of world building instead of like mm -hmm. uh, how would magical things existing throughout the course of our history have affected the paths of all major nations and yeah and that's something we would also want to know for reference whenever we're you yeah. know making decisions on like if we have to murder someone or something yeah <laughs> well i think so. it's, i think it's more fun as players too because that way we don't have to worry about like historical accuracy we just or get whatever. to make yeah yeah you just get to fun. which is like that's what i'm interested in is like the the aspect of this that's like collaborative storytelling and like creating a world together so i'm not interested necessarily in getting bogged down in like super pedantic details culturally though i mean like so even if it's a, a fantasy world are we still just assuming just a generic north american urban area i would like to get away from that i don't know 
what that would look like. And that's something that I'm open for input on too. And we can all keep thinking about that since it's going to be another couple weeks before we have our first actual play session. Um, I would like to not, I would like to get away from that. And I don't know, like that's one of the things that I was thinking about is there's the archetypes, which we can um, talk about in a couple minutes. Uh, but like if we can think of like, if we, I would, I would like it to have more of like a global influence. I don't mm -hmm. want to, um, like, I don't want it to be, like, your standard, like, strictly Northern European folklore-based. Like, and I... Which gets a little trickier because most of... Because, A, there's, like, potential um, cultural missteps to consider. Mm -hmm. But also, like, most of... It's, like, you know, um, Jennifer and I are both pagan. But, like, we're, like, work within a Northern European context. Yeah. So, like, the vast majority... Like, I have pretty deep folklore and mythology knowledge for Northern Europe. So... I also That's, think when you when we say that it's said in like an alternate universe, I think of like Doctor Who, where anything could kind of happen and anything could be in yeah. that, even though it is still the twenties. Yeah. So I was thinking um, maybe more something like, uh, like sort of like a, a pan global, like cultural, like complete um, cultural melting pot city with like elements of folklore and mythology from around like our current world. That would be awesome. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. kind of what I was kind of like. For. You know, you have like little Armenia and little Italy and, and Chinatown China, and Chinatown. So like an urban setting where where all of these different things mix together. That's awesome. I would really love it if we could, without being culturally insensitive, include like African folklore and things. Yeah, um, oh, definitely. But I, I I get nervous about speaking for a culture that's not the one I'm from. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So um. Yeah. So like. I agree on all counts. Um, and that's kind of one of the things when it comes to actually constructing the city, which I haven't done that much work on at this point, just because I wanted to get everybody's input. So when it comes to actually constructing the city and, oh God, I'm going to have to draw maps. Um, but I'll probably try and like specifically build. I'm in to help with that. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I was like photographer over here. Right? Yeah. Well, Nick's one of Nick's hobbies is, uh, I think this is like really cool and tell everybody about it. I was telling my Lyft driver about it the other day. One of Nick's hobbies is like transportation advocacy. So he knows way too much about like city structures and public transportation and things like that. That's so I'll probably maybe like, yeah, I'll, yeah. oh, we're going to be bouldering this week. I can pester you about that then. Um, yeah. Funny. So we'll probably... Um, yeah, so I would like to come up with something and that will also be useful because in both of these games, and I think in like most of the Apocalypse World games, the idea of factions is pretty strong, um, which like makes sense uh, as you're like navigating a big city. So like having to deal with like, um, you know, like maybe this particular type of fae likes to do things this way and this particular type likes to do things another way. And then you have like this other subset of mythological creatures, which has their own cultural taboos. So I think that that's something that we can work on and bake in okay cool okay so we covered sort of like the ground um like ground floor of the world uh what i wanted to talk about next was what kind of crew we want to have or like how the characters have been brought together what i had been thinking and i'm totally open to suggestions on this um i think that it works particularly well with uh the sprawl mechanics um what i had been thinking was maybe some kind of a heist crew but like we don't, we, it doesn't even need to be as specific as that because the way the sprawl mechanics work is that it's like you're accepting some kind of a job or case and then you're trying to solve it. So it could be like private investigators or bounty hunters or um, a heist crew or like just general freelance criminals, which leaves a lot of room for specialization with yeah. characters. Uh, so if anybody has any thoughts or preferences on that, I'm completely so, open to suggestions. So we're all a team? Yeah, you're, you're maybe not necessarily a team, 
team in the sense that like you all get along super well, because that's another thing that we can develop as we go along, Mm -hmm. depending on how, again, since we're not aiming for something super dark, like we don't need to make it like super angsty as far as the team relations. Um, But it could definitely be played for like comedic effect. Do we have a common enemy? Is that kind of what brings us together? We have a common goal. So we, our goal is like somebody hires us to rob a bank or somebody hires us to like get to this boss or something. So I like the idea of freelance criminals, like make it broad because then we can kind of specialize our own character as we fit in together. So Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. See, and and that's what I was wondering um, because like uh, most games that I play, how you bring them together is like all the, all the different clans come together and they're like, okay, kind of pick a tribute to go on to this one mission because it's going to benefit everyone. You know, we have to make sure there's equal footing so no one is trying to take more power over the other clans kind of thing. So, yeah, that's yeah. where I was going. I mean, I've had them start where it's like, <laughs> I've had one game start where it's just like, you all wake up and you're in the same building and you've never, you don't have any memory, but the building's on fire and y'all need to get out, you know, and then you get outside and then you find like a letter or something that's like, if you want, da, 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 da. so you can start it any way you want. And I think starting is the really hard part is like, how yeah. do these people all know each other? Well, and something, and we can, we can play around. So there are a couple ways we can, we can start, um, we can start at the beginning, <laughs> like at the beginning of the crew. Um, or we can start like, We've we can start at the beginning of the years. crew. Yeah, or yeah. we can start like, or even like six months in or something and then cover the backstory in like a future episode or like something mm-hmm. like that. Just, and yeah. and that's up to you guys. If we can make, if we can make starting from the very beginning interesting, I'm down for that. Um, my problem with that is like a writer and a storyteller is just like a lot of times people like start way too early and it's like, okay, but I don't need to know like what your character was doing or what this, this protagonist in this novel was doing when they were five. Like start with the action. Um, is what yeah. they, like every writing teacher tells you. So I, I would that. love to be just dropped in the middle of the shit. Okay. You know? Yeah. Okay. I would agree. I mean, because you, that's where you like, you know, flight or flight yeah. mode kicks in and then you're like, crap, work together or die. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we'll start, um, we'll start like after all of the characters have known each other for a while. And that also, the other benefit to that is that, and this is, you know, um, I know that some of you here are like, and Evan will be new, uh, will be too once he's like here. Um, some of you are super new to like creating characters. And one of the things that I found useful because, um, because I've like written novels before and stuff. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that I found useful is that like, when actually role playing is it's like what if I'm trying to like create a character that has a big long backstory from the beginning a lot of times that's really hard so I will just like pick up when this character is 25 or whatever and have like some vague ideas their backstory and then like as I play I'm like oh I know what their backstory is and I feel like that might remove a little bit of the pressure for you guys and we can figure out your backstory as you go along Mm -hmm. and like if you have a thought on it you can come to me and tell it to me and then I can like work that into the story and stuff okay yes yeah and a lot of what your character like if you're new to building characters as you relate to the different people in your party and you kind of find your place in there that can help you with what your backstory really is Mm -hmm. um because i've i've had situations where like i made a character and i had this backstory but then the way that it worked out in the group it didn't really make sense you know because like i was like you know, my parents had died young and I like lived on the streets and I was like a real tough guy. But then when I was actually playing and with the dynamics of the group, 
Um, it didn't make sense for me to play like that, so I ended up kind of straying from it. Are we? Um, does this go along with chaotic, neutral, blah, 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 blah? So I don't think that's actually um, part of the Apocalypse World system, but I think it's like I think it's a really useful thing. I do yeah. it with all of my characters, like even when I'm writing stories and stuff. Like the protagonist in my novel trilogy that I'm working on right now is chaotic good. Um, and my like the audio drama that's um, the work that's coming out right now would probably be like neutral good. Uh, so like I work on that um, and I think it's useful. I'll give a rundown for Nick and Diego and I'll do the same rundown when I talk to Evan. Uh, this is this is like a somewhat oversimplified version of it and I'm sure like there are probably D and D nerds listening who would get have a conniption fit about it. But the way that I look at the grid is it's like um, there's so there's good, neutral, and evil, and then there's chaotic, neutral, and lawful. Good and evil is like the good and evil spectrum is how you feel and how you act about morals. Chaotic to lawful spectrum is how you feel and how you act about rules and laws. So like uh, someone who doesn't give a shit about morals who's totally okay with killing someone as long as it falls within a loophole of the law where it's not illegal would be like lawful evil someone who has a very very strong sense of right and wrong but doesn't care if that sense of right and wrong matches up with like the rules and the system of legality would be chaotic good uh and then like neutral is like I, I I honestly have never found true neutral relatable, so I'm not sure how to explain that. I guess it would just be like not giving a fuck about anything except for yourself. <laughs> I think that's one of those things that's like up to you guys. Like I imagine if it's a crew of freelance criminals, probably everybody is going to be on the neutral to chaotic side of the spectrum, um, which I guess is probably maybe something that I unintentionally did in like skewing things that way because I just don't find lawful characters very interesting, which is probably yeah. not surprising to anybody who knows me. Or, or you could do the whole like Leon thing like, I have a, a set of morals, like no women, no children. So that would be more on the lawful, I guess, side well, of I things. Well, I think that would be more like chaotic good. Mm. Like if you're, but I mean, if you're operating outside the constraints <laughs> of the law, like if you have, if you have your own morals, but you're operating outside of the constraints of the law, the law, like I think of that as like classic chaotic good. Oh, okay. Um, I definitely like play chaotic good because I like, you know, those moments where it's like, well, it's like the, do you steal the bread to feed your family? kind of conundrum like fuck yeah i still the bread to feed my family <laughs> yeah well and it's like yeah i mean um i think like i get i get like i i oh, a couple weeks ago i took a buzzfeed quiz and it said i was lawful neutral and i have never been so offended in my life um, <laughs> <laughs> um like i yeah like i i heavily tend towards chaotic good to chaotic neutral all of my characters fall in that realm um it's up to like i think uh like if you can you know like, and I, again, like, that's not something that we necessarily have to strictly stick within since, like, it's it's just useful for storytelling and for, like, helping to make character decisions. So when you're working on your character, that's something to think about is, like, where they fall. If you can provide a case for being on the lawful side of things, um, then that, like, then I'm down to hear it. But it will probably, like, your character will probably be neutral to chaotic on, like, the lawful spectrum. And on the moral spectrum, like, that's completely up to you. Um, since we're, I guess, yeah, I guess that depends. I've seen people play like evil characters in a way that is not super depressing um since we're so like that would be the the one request that i would make is that like don't make an inherently like depressing character um i've also seen i've also seen um like on some of the podcasts that i've listened to or like in campaigns that i've played i've seen people play chaotic characters in such a way that it's like actively sabotaging the rest of the party which like 
is not my favorite thing as a listener or as a player, just because like that doesn't really create good stories most of the time. And it's just like, if anything, it usually holds the other players up on the other, the story up. So like, just kind of keep those in mind when you're thinking about like how your characters will be reacting. Um, so with so, that in mind. So basically just for, for those of us who, this is a totally new concept too. Um, so this is basically <laughs> the, Myers Briggs version or of like of like character D&D. development for D and D. Yeah, where like you're choosing a few components that like kind of help you get within a space that you can then easily answer the questions of my family's starving and I need bread. What mm-hmm. do I do? Like it's just an inherent thing because you've already chosen these like kind of conceptual. Yeah. Things. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's not like what you would do. You have to like get in the mind of what would my character do? Yeah, like what's in their backstory that has driven them to this place? Yeah. Okay. It's, and it's really good. Um, yeah. Like I said, I found it really useful when working on characters because um, even as a writer, like having written characters and like knowing their motivations and their backstories, um, it's different when like you're acting it out. So like, I find this really useful just to like, sort of like help guide choices. Like, you know, if a, if a chaotic good character sees somebody being assaulted on the street, like they're going to, like run up and like punch the person or something a chaotic good has no problem punching nazis a lawful good character would probably you know call for the cops and uh like a lawful evil character would probably turn around and walk the other way and if they saw a cop maybe be like hey there's like somebody's being assaulted over there and a true neutral person is just going to like completely ignore it and whatever unless unless they think they're going to get get money out of it Mm -hmm. um so it is useful for like guiding your decisions in the moment that makes sense. i find yeah um another thing and like another thing that i kind of find useful is like thinking of characters as like a mashup of like two existing characters uh which again is like can be good for like when you're describing your character but is also good for making those decisions so like if you're thinking of like you know my character is like um, the Punisher meets Captain Mal from Firefly. I have no idea what that character would be like, but like, if you're thinking of that, it, it kind of, that it makes it a little easier for your brain to like, be like, oh, okay, well that's what this person would do in this scenario. If you have like two existing things that you're sort of drawing off of. And, and then I, I think you'll find that after probably the first couple play sessions, like you'll start to find your character taking on a life of their own. And like, that's when you'll be like, oh, I know like what their backstory is. <laughs> I wet my plants. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the first part of this part two. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> we can just start the part two without uh, any context. Start. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to talk about characters in a little bit more detail. Um, so I'm going to go over uh, one thing about the world. Um, and I, I kind of have an idea, but I'm interested. Excuse me. I'm interested in hearing what you all think. Um, in the way urban shadows is set up and this kind of messes with um some of the some of the archetypes too the way it's set up is the assumption is that there's like it's like in a normal city with like a magical underground so like your average person off the street is not aware of like magic or the fey or any of these other factions do we want to do something like that or do we want to do something where like your average person off the street is aware of magic and like the factions at play so for the non-D&D listeners, we're talking about kind of like a Harry Potter world, essentially. Like yeah, yeah. So, so the, by default, the way, because um, what we're doing is um, 
like I said, we're doing like the, the system from one system, like the actual um, job and like movement through the world system from the one that's called the sprawl, um, which is meant for more cyberpunk, but we're not using any of the character things from that since we're not doing cyberpunk, since we're doing magical, like urban fantasy or yeah. Yeah. Urban fantasy. Um, just like period urban fantasy. Um, and the way that the things are set up within the magical game system, like the assumption is that, yeah, it's like a Harry Potter thing where there's the muggles and then there's like the wizarding world and they're separate or although in this, it's more of like the wizarding world is like the seedy underground of the day-to-day life. Do we want to do something like that? Or do we want to do a world where everyone knows that magic exists and just not everyone is a magic user? I like the idea of having it separate because there can that as it adds that other layer of like kind of having to keep things secret or like maybe we like meet a character that's like a like a human and like they end up like learning something and then we have to kill them or do we not or something you know like I think that adds a little level of drama that I think would be really fun I agree like one of like another thing that's like that that's my absolute favorite tv show once upon a time um, oh, and I have yeah. no shame about that. I love that show. Me too. It's, it's I so love great. you so much, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Precious <Yes>. cupcake. What's <laughs> <laughs> a fun time? It's like, oh. A, it's, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. It's basically just like my favorite Disney soap opera. Um, <laughs> basically. But, which is what it is. Um, but like that is in that kind of context. And yeah, they do have to, to grapple with that con- context when someone finds out like, wait, there's magic in the world and like they have to sometimes they just end up marrying the character to like deal with the situation but like <laughs> there's really weird decision making process with that that yeah. makes the story fascinating do we kill them what? do we give them a potion to make exactly. them forget everything do, what did we just knock them out and keep them in prison for a while I don't make them think they're insane I don't know well, like <laughs> one thing that I was thinking about is if um, if people did know about magic what if uh, the people that don't have magic have uh, kind of preconceived notions about people with magic and they don't trust them. They like, Ooh, like they yeah. want to, they, they like, you know, they're like nice to, to each other until they find out, oh, they use magic. Uh, now they're like an enemy or like they're somebody, t- someone to not trust. Yeah. So something to, rather than keeping secret for the reasons of we don't want the muggles to know, it's more keeping it secret because I don't want to have this like weird interaction um, yeah yeah like, or like i don't i don't want people to, if i'm trying to get something done and i need uh like a non-magical person to help yeah. me out like i need to keep that a secret somehow i don't know it's like, like closeted yeah. yeah i was gonna say it's like it's like being closeted in the bible belt mm-hmm. yep <laughs> like people know it exists they just don't know who, who yeah or they have these yeah preconceived notions like yeah. oh this person is evil i i, I mean i'm open to either <laughs> thing like i'm trying this is like I'm serious about wanting to be a collaborative thing. I, uh, I was leaning more towards something like that um, partially because I thought one of the things that, that I think is interesting about this game um, and about like the story, like about stories in general of like freelance criminals is I'm really interested in the idea of like both underdogs and like found family. Those are pretty recurring themes and like all of the media that I'm obsessed with. And so if it's, if it's more of a, I guess, I guess we can play with that element in either one, but I think that if it's more of like, like an open secret, like that's kind of where like you just don't talk about it in polite company. Like there's a whole other society of it and yeah. there's like an invisible wall between the societies. So like kind of like how honestly, um, not intentionally, but kind of like how like uh, homosexuality or bisexuality would have been treated in like the 1920s where like you don't yeah. talk about it in polite companies and there's like a whole other culture with its norms and everything or almost like nowadays with bdsm and other kinks like that there is a whole like or swingers 
yeah. if you're into that. We they have clubs here, and you know, but there's only a certain amount of groups that are allowed to go to those things, or you just don't say it in certain companies. Yeah, you don't bring it up like your average dinner party. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you don't know that everybody there is like already down with it. Yeah, definitely. so I kind of are we are. What I do like that. Think? Okay. Yeah. Sure, I'm fine with whatever. Okay, cool. I just, I, I'm trying, I really don't want a railroad, um, <laughs> but. But it's also your story. I mean, we're, I mean, we're along for the ride and we appreciate you want to get our input. I can watch Upon a Time anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to play it in real life. Be, I think if it's sort of like an open secret thing, there could still be that kind of element because like, it depends, I guess it depends on like what the backstory is and like how heavy we want to make the social stigma. But like, if, if you were living like a double life and you have like an alias as like a quote unquote normal person, and then like you have to burn that alias with someone in the course of solving a job, like that does introduce an element of like, okay, like, do I kill this person? Do I make them forget somehow? Do I kidnap them? Like, how do I deal with this if it involves me burning like this alias? So I think that we can kind of incorporate elements from both of them in a way that takes the good, like, story-building parts of both of them. I love how trusting them is not one of the options they gave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll just be cool with this. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe. There could be some, there could be allies. Yeah. Essentially what that is. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I think that that makes sense with, like, the, the sort of, like, setup. Because both of, all, um, both of these games, like, um, factions are, like, a really strong... Um, element of the gameplay and the way things are set up, which is basically like, you know, you have like the, like in this game, it might be like the Fae has their whole society and they're like a faction, or maybe there's like two warring Fae clans or two warring, like vampires and werewolves don't like each other or something like that. So that said, with that element solved, let's talk about the character types. I'm going to give a rundown in in each of these, um, just in case I imagine Excuse me, I imagine if anyone is actually listening to this um, that we've probably talked about the character types in general, but I think it would be interesting to just, like, know what we had to choose from. So I'm going to read through the list real quick um, as slowly as I can, but I'm not great at reading slow. Uh, Okay, so the list of archetypes is divided up into the four factions, Mortality, Night, Power, and Wild. Each of these factions has sway over a different facet of city life, and they often come into conflict as they vie for resources and control. Mortality. Archetypes from mortality live on the edge of mortal society, still connected to the rest of their faction, the slumbering fools who don't know about the supernatural world that surrounds them. With all their connections, these archetypes are in too deep to ever go back to a mundane, normal life. So this would probably be someone like we were talking about who had like a secret alias. Number one is the aware inquisitive, resourceful, intuitive, lucky. The aware is a mortal investigator who has come to see the supernatural world for what it really is. They understand humanity isn't alone in the city and they're entranced by the shadows. The hunter, dangerous, focused, deadly, and solitary. The hunter is a mortal who has mastered the art of the kill through intense training. They are direct and violent, never to be taken lightly. The veteran, experienced, tenacious, knowledgeable, clever. The veteran is a has-been who uses their hard-won talents to remain relevant in city politics. They have a workspace in which they can create all manner of things that others might need. Knight. Archetypes from Knight operate at the level of the street, contesting for territory, drugs, money, and blood. These are the things that go bump in the night, the monsters that live in the shadow of the city. The Spectre. Vengeful, alienated, incorporeal, alone. The specter is a ghost of someone who died, their spirit trapped on the side of eternity. They are an echo of what they once were, knowing only restlessness and loneliness. The vamp. Seductive, merciless, eternal, hungry. The vamp is a creature who must feed on humanity to survive. 
Their web draws on prey, linking them to their assets, minions, and debtors in order to keep their undead hunger satiated. The wolf. Primal, unstoppable, brutal, unlucky. The wolf is capable... You said wolf. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The wolf wolf is capable... Oh, there was this running, there was this running gag the other day. We were talking about accents and I was talking about how somebody was giving me shit because I say, I, I don't pronounce the L in wolf. And as far as I'm and concerned. I was at your birthday. I was there. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the L is silent. The, I hope one of you doesn't pick that just to fuck with me now. The wolf is capable of transforming into a deadly beast when the moon rises into the sky. Little stands in their way, but they often find more trouble than they bargain for when they prowl the city streets. Power. Archetypes from power see the truth behind the lies the city tells, the push and sway of politics that drive change amidst the concrete and the darkness. They have access to power, great power, and many intend, it to, use, many intend to use it to control the future of the city itself. The Oracle. Prophetic, blessed, cursed, and tense. The oracle is a seer, mystic, or psychic gifted with sight beyond sight. They can see beyond the present, beyond this reality, but they cannot turn away no matter how terrible their visions become. The wizard. Dedicated, powerful, hermetic, strange. The wizard relies on years of training to channel intense magics. With enough preparation, these mages can move mountains or turn them to dust. When caught alone and unprepared, they are still painfully mortal. Wild. Archetypes from wild are foreign to these lands, touched and altered by forces beyond this reality. They have contracts and arrangements that bind them and give them power, ties to ancient and epic beings from beyond. The Fae. Fickle, enigmatic, cold, illogical. The Fae is a being from beyond this world or the offspring of a creature with ties to distant realities. They are able to draw upon the logic of their native world, tying themselves to oaths and promises in exchange for great power. The Tainted. Brutal, intense, callous, manipulative. The tainted was a mortal who sold their soul in exchange for power, wealth, or security. They are of two worlds torn between their human compassion and their demonic obligations. Okay, all of that said, does anybody does anybody know what kind of character they want to play already? I know that we had some in mind. I don't know if the stuff that I just read changes anybody's ideas. I'm really drawn to the tainted. Okay. That'll be, it'll be that, I think that that's fun. I think that that will be a fun challenge of doing in a way that is not like, the point, the, the point is, is that like, I think, yeah, I think we can do the tainted. I think that that adds an interesting story element and we don't necessarily have to make it like you're inherently an evil, unredeemable character. I mm-hmm. think that will be fun. Mm-hmm. I still really like the Fae. Okay. So you still, and do you still want to do the hunter? I like the hunter. That's amazing. I think that's amazing. I almost started laughing when I was reading the description because I was like, this is the opposite of Nick's personality and I really want to see how he plays this. So I hope he sticks with it. I was thinking tainted, um, but oh. since it's already taken, I really like the Oracle too. Okay. We can do, if we want to, we can do two tainted characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's completely up to you. Yeah. I mean, I had really, I mean, I've played a vampire and werewolf before, so I've, immediately I was drawn to them. Um but I can do Oracle. I, I like that, too. Okay. Yeah. And I think that that would really come in handy yeah. um, for a freelance criminal. Um, <laughs> let me... Are the cops going to be there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wonder how helpful a Fae is going to be as a freelance criminal. I, like, basically can call upon my gods or whatever. You could totally turn into, like, an animal that could sneak through security. Mm, that's true. Um, well, and another thing that we can introduce... Uh, one sec. Another thing that we can introduce, I was making sure to note that down so that I could tell um, Evan what each of y'all were going to be. 
Another thing that we can introduce is I, there's a couple different um, styles of each one. So if we want to, like, if you want to be. Don't uh, dive into like tainted and have two of them. We could. Yeah. Or like um, if you want to be Faye, you could be like, I think it would be interesting to be like, okay, do you want to be like, um, and this is maybe like, I don't know if this would actually be interesting to anybody else, but there's so many different like. Uh, like even with there's different races or there's different types of fae within the, the yeah, fae race. Like even within like Northern mythology or like European, Northern European mythology, there's like so many, but that, that's sort of like red un- cap, unreliable, a pokey and uh, yeah. Um, that sort of unreliable, like spirit creature, like archetype exists all over the world too. So there are like, we could do like sort of a dryad style fae, or we could do like um, Irish, like she fae or, there are a ton of different, so we, and we don't have to hash that out right now, but that like gives me something to think about. Yeah. It gives you something to think about and we could probably play around with that. So with that in mind, I think, okay. One thing, Diego, do you, do you have any ideas to who you might owe? Like who has, mm. because that's the thing with the tainted is that the idea is that like, I think in a more, traditional reading it would be like so-and-so sold their soul to the devil or whatever i don't necessarily know of like but like be thinking and you don't have to give an answer right now but be thinking on like who you owe and why you owe them like what you traded to give them power over you okay so the intro questions and now we're getting into the stuff where like we might not have answers to this yet since we've just been working on this today and if we if we run out of stuff to talk about, then that's cool. And I'll send you guys notes and we y'all can think about it before next time. The intro questions are, who are you? How long have you been in the city? What do you love most about humanity? Who is your closest confidant in the city? And what do you desperately need? Does anybody have thoughts on any of that for their character off the top of their head? Nope. When you say closest, <laughs> closest confidant, like, is it's not... It, it doesn't have to be any of us. It could be someone yeah. else. It doesn't have to be any of us. I think it would be interesting. Um, I think that we would probably want to like have a couple of people. Like, I think that there should be some ties within the group, mm-hmm. but I also think that it will be really, it would be interesting and valuable to have like ties outside of the group too. Like those are contacts that you can go to, to get information from or to get resources from later as well. So that's something to think about. Um, we probably do want to have, a couple of people we want to be thinking about like people inside the group. Like, like we said, since we're starting, we're starting like after the beginning, um, so to speak, we don't necessarily, like we don't have to, nobody is going to be strangers, but like it is probably worth thinking about if there's any people who like inherently are like a, like super close buddies. And we we can also kind of see how that evolves over playtime. You should totally make a joke about the hunter and the Oracle and play off uh, green arrow. I have no idea what you just said. Green Arrow. His like behind the scene um, person is called the Oracle. Okay. Yeah. So I thought it was funny she's that you're one. a Yeah. So she like stays arrow. back at the base and is like a hacker. So she stays back at the base and like is <laughs> kind of pulling the strings and he's like the muscle. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, that sounds amazing. So we're already tight. I like this. Yeah. Okay. So that's something we can. Yeah. We can have that. Um, let's see. What else? Like, I got your back. The cops are like two uh, blocks down. Don't go yeah. there. I, uh, yeah. I like, uh, I kind of like that idea too. Like that. 
that bring some more nerdiness into the already nerdy um, yeah. world. Well, it makes like, sense for that character archetype too. I've also been thinking like through like who, uh, one thing you mentioned, Michelle is like who could, um, or which characters could help inspire essentially a character development. And I've been kind of thinking about that. And there's like a lot of things I think that it could like fit in with that. that would really yeah. Well. Yeah. So, okay. So that's a good link to start off with. Um, oh, man, I wish so I we're going to have to work on a backstory. <laughs> I'm super excited. (laughs) Yeah. And and like another thing to think about Jennifer, and I don't know, I don't know if there are rules. I don't see any rules in the playbook for this. Um, I am also possibly thinking about being wizard. Okay. Because I started thinking about Faye and I'm like, oh, but like, I think that's going to be hard to build relationships if you're like this like flighty, like. Yeah, that is like, I think that, yeah, like I think that that could be, um. The Faye thing, I can see how that would be really tricky to play, especially in a group dynamic. Like yeah. if you're playing it, if you're playing it the way the book is playing it, where like the idea, the idea with the book is not necessarily that everybody cooperates. Like the the base of the game, Urban Shadows, is not about like found family and underdogs. It's about like the power corrupting and everyone seeking power. So, so the way that the Faye is in the book is not necessarily conducive to like a tight knit group dynamic. So we can, yeah, you can totally change if you want to and do wizard. Um, or we can like think of a way to tweak the Faye so that they are not like the standard Faye because your, your prototypical mythological Faye would not necessarily be a great group person to have. Yeah. Um, veteran might be good too. I like that character a lot. I think that the wizard would be interesting. Like one of the things I was thinking on was some like, like uh, full metal alchemist shit. Like, I think that there could be like an interesting sort of wizardy character. That's like sort of like full metal alchemist. And then we get like, yeah, I think I want to do a wizard. Okay, cool. Let me change that in my notes. So you want a pencil? Oh no, I'm good. So one of the things that I wanted to throw out just as like you were saying things. And of course, because I'm not, in any way experienced with this whole like RPG concept. Um, the one of the characters that I'm isn't even a character, it's a real person who I really want to draw from is Jon Snow. Not the Game of Thrones Jon Snow, but like the Jon Snow who basically is the father of epidemiology and of um uh cartography in a lot of ways. So that's like my actual real world life. And so I really want to draw from that. And there's like this element of trying to be creative and kind of fight against systemic issues. And so I think there's a lot of things with this idea of like these, these kind of partnerships that could uh, make that happen. And if you want to be a wizard, there's also some things with, with that, that there could be some interesting backstory stuff of like what kind of wizard, what kind of things you're doing with that, what kind of weird things are, are inspiring me as a hunter because like I'm trying to go against like weird systemic things. That was what I yeah. was thinking. And I think it goes along with the storyline. I like to that. Fight systemic violence or evil of some sort. Like a vigilante. Yeah. Yeah. Which like totally that. works into my arrow reference. Because <laughs> yeah. he's a vigilante in the in Star City. Yeah. I okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. And that could that could create some. Like so the rest of the world is trying to like yeah. get I mean I gotta figure out what get what power and stuff, and then here we are trying to fight the man. Kind and the of other thing, thing yeah, with totally. wizards is a lot of what you are able to do depends on what your spells are. So I would want to read up on all that to see like what I could actually do would be able to help me to think about what my backstory is going to be. Yeah. I think, and another thing that I think would be interesting with the hunter, and this depends on 
how you want to play it. But like sort of the way that the book is playing it is that like there's a natural animosity between like the hunter and like the creatures of the night. So if Evan wound up being like one of the night factions, that could be interesting tension. Or if like Evan, yeah, I can fight Evan. (laughs) Or, or you could play it the other way where maybe your standard hunter like hates all creatures of the night, but since you're like a social justice hunter, like maybe <laughs> you maybe found you, this one creature and you're like, oh, maybe I should think differently yeah, about these creatures of the night. Like yeah, so that's something that we could play with too. So Evan, yes. can you give us an introduction of like your name, um, your gaming background, and like anything else you want to include? Uh, okay, so my name is Evan Mora, and I have zero gaming background, <laughs> zero percent background. Um, <clears throat> uh, what was the third question? Um, anything else that's relevant? Every, anything else that's relevant um, right now? Since the world sort of takes place in like a prohibition type era, uh-huh. I'm studying prohibition cocktails like crazy and learning about like that time a lot, but through the lens of bartending. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that to hopefully, if nothing else, um, lend us some some interesting details because it's all about the details. So uh, we talked about this some. I'm going to give you sort of a the TLDR of like what we talked about some in the first world building. We talked about um, like the idea of one of the things that we talked about. So, okay, so number one, we decided that we didn't want it to be set in a specific city in the 1920s. Um, we're kind of going for this, like, sort of an alternate universe, but not, like, not, we're not setting it in, like, alternate New York, right? Um, because we don't necessarily want there to be, well, everybody else thinks it's more fun if they have a chance to be super anachronistic. Anachronist? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Anachronist? An Anna? Anna? Well, I'd say anachronistic. Anachronistic, yes. <laughs> That's how this is the second time that my pronunciation has come up. <laughs> I know how to do words good, okay? I'll just politely say things here and there. Um, so we want the chance to be super that. Um, and also, like, from my point of view, I would much rather be spending my um, GM energy, like, creating cool worlds and, like, random things about the world instead of researching, like, exactly, uh, researching and trying to f- conjecture exactly how, like, 1920s New York City would have changed if, like, magic existed. Right. So, so just, you know, generic city. Yeah. Generic people. Like generic city, 19 is still very much the 1920s vibe. Generic city, generic people. I really want it to be like a multicultural melting pot. Mm-hmm. I'm actually thinking, um, I'm going to talk to Nick some about this because one of Nick's areas of nerdiness is the transportation planning and like city planning and stuff. So I'm going to talk to Nick some about this, but I'm thinking that since you and Diego are both Latinx, I was thinking that it might be cool if we could set it in like, um, if we, if I could like draw off of like Bogota, Colombia, since uh-huh. Diego's from Colombia. Oh yeah. So it might be like sort of like a magical Bogota. And I hope I'm saying that right, at least. No, I think that's great. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so um, this kind of reminds me a little bit of like Blade Runner. When you like look at the original Blade Runner, it was like, it's LA of the future, which is like incredibly multicultural. The language is like this pigeon of like English, Chinese, and Eh, something else I can't remember. Yeah, but you know, like there's like there's rickshaws and there's flying cars. Like, why would there be rickshaws when there's flying cars? <laughs> I don't know. But like, that's kind of what comes to mind when you talk about this. It's like yeah. a place. Whereas um, the LA and Blade Runner is transformed by technology of the future. The 
generic city of the 1920s is transformed by the presence of magic. Yes, right? exactly. In similar ways. Because, yeah. you know, Arthur C. Clarke said, you know, magic, blah, wait, no, technology to a meh, 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 looks like magic. <laughs> yeah, I believe that's exactly what he said. <laughs> like the teacher from Peanuts. Um, yeah, so so that's kind of the thing, and that makes a lot of sense. Like I'm looking at, even though this is 1920s and we're dealing with magic and not technology, I am looking at like a lot of cyberpunk stuff for inspiration, since we're kind of going for like a diesel punk vibe, which is like you know yeah. cyberpunk, but in the 20s. So I love it. It all works out. So that's um, so that was one thing that we're um, looking at. Um, we've got. Uh, another thing that we talked about, and I'm open to your input on this, this isn't quite set in stone, um, but one of the things that I brought up with the other players was kind of the idea of, like, do we want it, and I can tell you, like, the conclusion that we reached, and then I'll get your input on that, um, do we want it to be, like, magic completely integrated with society, or magic, like, sort of in the Harry Potter world, where it's basically, like, behind a curtain, uh-huh. or some kind of middle ground, um, what we thought might be the best of both worlds was kind of like being an open secret and that like everyone knows it exists, but like it is absolutely positively like not talked about in polite society. Like drugs. Yeah. Like drugs. It should be like drugs. Like everyone knows that (laughs) drugs are there only like sort of cool people have drugs and maybe sinister (laughs) people have drugs, but like, yeah, like, but everyone knows that drugs exist and have, but you're not going to go to like a nice dinner party and be like, so where's the cocaine? Yeah. Who wants to see this giant bag of cocaine I have? Yeah. Right. This is really, really funny because when we were talking about it, the metaphor we came up with was like being closeted in the Bible belt. So it's really funny, right? which makes sense given the makeup of that table um, versus, versus this table right. versus who I'm talking to. But it's really funny to me that the at former, one point we're the, like, yeah, the former sex addicts <laughs> now turned workaholic. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what's happening. It's really funny to me that at one table we're like, you know, like being closeted in the Bible belt and another table. It's like, yeah, you know, like cocaine. <laughs> exactly. Like so, that's kind of where we wound up at. I'm like open to input on that from you as to whether you think that's like, if, if it is the best of both worlds, our thinking with that was that that adds like an interesting sense of, or um, like sense of source of tension. Right. Because like, you can't be like quote unquote outed as being like, if you, if you have an alias as like a normal person, you can't be outed as like a magic user or as associating with magic users or like you burn that contact. Um, Mm, and it kind of like, I think it creates some interesting potential, um, class dynamics too, is something that I've been mulling on, but I'm also totally open to input on that. So if you have any thoughts on that, not, not necessarily, I think I just, uh, I would say like when there's, so like when you know like you know like when before we had like an actual map of the whole world we're like over here in this dark area this is where magic happens and over here in this dark area this is where mermaids live and their magic too. So so we talked about the world and then what we did is we talked about what kind of characters other people wanted to play. So I read some of the archetypes to you before we started recording. Do you have any thoughts on what kind of character you want to play? Uh so I really liked the aware. I thought that was really fun because it seems like not like a super magical character, but maybe a character that could be kind of MacGyvery, which sort of maybe matches me in, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I guess uh, I liked, I think I liked the wolf. Wolf. Um, and I think I liked um, uh, the fae, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think any of those would be good options for you. Um 
so oh oh one of the things that we didn't talk about which might play into this is that another thing we um another thing we talked about in the previous recording session was the idea of like whether we wanted to whether it we wanted the crew to be like a specific kind of crew and everybody decided that the idea of being sort of just like general like sort of a mishmash of like freelance criminals slash investigators slash like fixers was the most interesting okay um because then like someone can pick a specialty because not necessarily everybody wanted to be like thieves or whatever so i don't know if that influences your decision any uh but that was like kind of what other people were thinking we're on the same team altogether. Yeah, so you're all on the same like <laughs> group, the same team. Uh-huh. You're the same superpower, uh, superpowered individuals. I don't know. You're like the Justice League. Like the but Justice League, yeah, not for awful. Real. So <laughs> okay, well, maybe kind of awful. <laughs> <laughs> maybe there was this whole running gag and the other thing about when we were talking about the tension. Um, between like, um, like getting outed as like a magic user or having associations with magic and Nick was, and I was like, yeah, so I think that that's a good, a good in between because it, it lets you like, you know, that then like you're faced with this decision of like, do I have to like drug this person, make them forget or kidnap them or like bribe them or kill them? Like, what do I have to do to keep this secret? And Nick stops and he's like, I love how like just trusting them is not even an option. It's like, I don't think it's that kind of game. <laughs> well, Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you know, when you look at, like, stories that involve sort of espionage, right? Like, your informants almost always have to die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's so much more at stake, right? So, like, in this case, if we're all on the same team, there's, like, I don't know, eight of us? Yeah. Wait, no, six. Five. I can't count. Five. There's five of you. Obviously, I can't count either. (laughs) So, you know. But, yeah. But, like, so in order to protect yourself and your associates, like, drastic measures have to be taken, right? Not just, like, pinky swear. (laughs) (laughs) Promise. But, yeah. So, so given given that, um, the aware might be useful. We can talk about the stats in some more depth. We didn't get a chance to do this. This is where you get spoiled because we didn't get a chance to do this in, like, the group thing because it's, like, we can't go over each of these when we've got five people at a table. Um, But, so, the stats that are available are uh, blood, spirit, heart, and mind. And heart is, like, thinking. Let me, like look at my sheets i've got a bunch of different notes here so like heart um helps you like get what you want from people blood lets you um like amps up your ability to be violent or like threaten people heart also lets you get what you want from people i guess i already said that um there's a couple different skills that use it um mind lets you like stay focused in the heat of the moment um or figure things out uh research things and then negotiating is also mind um blood is like survival so that's like sort of an overview of the stats uh the aware archetype has high stats in heart and mind and a low stat in blood the can i later upgrade my blood by like i don't know spending some of my as you level up you'll it it will grow up but like your blood will always be like that stat will always be slightly lower than the other ones so that that kind of depends on so like so there's that um the wolf has high blood and spirit stats and low heart and the fae has high heart and spirit and low blood so the difference between the aware and the fae as far as the way the stats are distributed is that the aware is high on mind and the fae is high on spirit spirit oh spirit is magic 
So like the Fae has magical talents that the aware does not. The aware um, archetype would be solving problems through like charming people and figuring things out with their head. And the wolf would be solving problems through magic and through like beating the shit out of people. Yeah. So I think I still like the aware because. Okay. <clears throat> I like the idea of not having magic. I like the idea of like being surrounded by magic, but not yeah. being magic. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That's super interesting because like basically our whole crew yeah, I think our whole crew is um, human. Uh, I guess other people might. Jennifer and Gloria, like there's the option for other people to um, pick something mm -hmm. because there's these archetypes. But then it's like if you wanted to be like if you're one of the magical things, obviously, if, if you're like one of the mortals, then there's not really anything else you can be. But if you're one of the magical things, like if you were a fae, you could be a bunch of different kinds of fae. Huh. Um or like an oracle, like I would totally allow for someone to be like, like a dryad oracle or something if they wanted to. Um, so, so with that, the kind of crew that we have is we have you as the aware, and that's that's funny. I was going to based on what I know of your personality. I was if you wanted to like, like based on the way I would think you would play the game, I was thinking that the aware probably made sense because you're like very much a thinker and a charmer. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and then. So there's you, there's Nick. We already talked about the hunter. There's the Oracle, which is Jennifer. So it's a seer, mystic, or psychic gifted with sight beyond sight. Uh, and then Gloria is a wizard. So, which we don't know quite what that's going to look like that, because that might be like a more traditional wizard, or it might be like sort of a Tesla that uses magic kind of figure. Ooh, that sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that she leans towards that. But even if she doesn't, I have, I'm like working on a whole thing about there being like a subterranean city under the city. And there being like dwarves that are kind of like that. Um, and then Diego, uh, Diego's character is the tainted who is immortal. So yeah, I guess he would be human too. So the only potential non-humans on the um, cast are Jennifer and Gloria. Um, a mortal, the tainted is a mortal who sold their soul in exchange for power, wealth, or security. Uh, so they are of two worlds torn between their human compassion and their demonic obligations. Super. So they owe somebody something. So, okay. So you are going to be the aware. Do you have any ideas for a name or do you want to come back to that? You can also come back to that. I think I'll come back to that. Okay. So for a look, um, you can be like, you can play someone who's similar to how you are in real life. Um, some of the options they have are like ambiguous, male, female, transgressing, which I think is the game characters um, trying to get a like gender, queer, non-binary, Asian or South Asian, black, Caucasian, Hispanic, Latino, indigenous, Middle Eastern, something else, um, business, casual clothing, everyday clothing, inconspicuous clothing, uniform clothing. Any of that sticking out to you? Not currently. I okay. think I need to think about that because, like, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've always said to myself and then to many other people who didn't really want to hear was that if I were to be born again, I'd really like to be a British black man like Idris Elba. Yeah. But um, you could totally play like an Idris Elba. Yeah. That would be cool. I mean, I'm thinking about that. That sounds yeah. totally cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like, can I um, keep that in the back of your mind? They have demeanor. So, and another thing is that I'm not sure how many of these things are supposed to actually be in gameplay. We're just using them as like a way to sort of get a feel for your character. So like if, if any of this is meant to stick with something in gameplay, then you don't have to like, we, we, we're just going to throw that out. Um, so for demeanor, they have the suggestion to pick one or we can add your own of aggressive, charming, paranoid, or serene. Huh? 
I like charming or paranoid. Okay, we can... I like the combination of those, so we're actually going to, like, put an X under both of those, and you will be both of them, because I like that combination. That's an interesting... <laughs> I'm just, you know... She's, that's just me. Yeah. I'm just charming and paranoid. Mostly paranoid. So... The next one is your starting character stats. You can add one to one of these. You're starting out with blood at negative one, heart at one, mind at one, and spirit at zero. So my blood is at negative one. Does that mean that I would not just not kill somebody, but I could bring them back to life? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's I, how that works. I think it means you do less physical damage. Oh, okay. Like, oh, there's a dying enemy. Let's patch you up, buddy. <laughs> that's boring. Um, I don't think so. I think that means, so you could add, you could make harder mind a two, um, or you could make blood a zero, which would be an improve, which would mean you could do more damage. Um, or you could add like to harder mind and be like extra smart or like extra charming. Uh, or you could add a one to spirit. Or so like basically the way that I envision my player going, since I'm not super bloodlusty, uh-huh. like is this, because I've never played a game like this. Is it like sort of like in this one situation, in this one scenario, I'm like, hey, here's a weapon. Then I pass it over to somebody who can kill somebody with it. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. So down the um, lead pipe. And we've kind of got we've got we kind of have it. We have at least one tank on the team because of the hunter. So the hunter and the tainted both have high blood. Um, and then we have a magic user, too. Well, two magic users, technically. Uh, so I, th I think you would be okay if you did not want to add to the blood and wanted to add that instead to your heart or your mind. Um, I'm sorry. That's I'm very okay. thirsty. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I think heart and mind is going to be a lot more helpful for me than to try to, like, bring up a blood that's, like, negative zero. Okay. Negative one. Uh, do you have okay? So for right now, we'll just um, we'll just mark, and we can come back to that because we're probably we're gonna have to go through and do this with everybody before the next round. So I'm just giving you like a head start right now, um, and we'll stop in like the next five or ten minutes so that we can head out. So the intro questions, which we don't have to figure out now, but are something for you to sort of mull on, is who are you? How long have you been in the city? How did you learn about the supernatural? Why is this city worth saving? And what mystery are you currently looking into? Interesting. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. So those are all good things to start with. Um, and like I said, it might actually be better to save those questions for next time because I would like to do, before we actually start the gameplay, I would like to have everybody like go over those. I would like to have everybody to have an answer um, for those with their character. And is that also like in some way like need to relate to how other players how we've met other players in our crew or does that is that um, it doesn't need to so we've got right now i would like to work on there being like some connections right now what we have is that um which started off as a joke about green arrow um we have like a relationship between nick and jennifer because jennifer is the oracle uh -huh. um so like nick and jennifer are friends or have some kind of a shared history we're also i guess i didn't talk about this um at the beginning but we're not like starting this where everybody is like just getting ready to know each other we're like we're basic we're starting after the beginning so uh -huh. we might go back and like fill in a more in-depth backstory at some point or like record a game with the backstory or something but the the assumption right now is that as we're starting you're like a functional to some degree group i'm sure there will be their own dysfunctions but you're like a functional to some degree group who's been working together for a while so um because i think it's just more interesting to start a story there instead of like 
trying to figure out from the get-go like it's a lot easier to go back and fill in those details later as far as like how did we meet and everything and I think it makes for more interesting gameplay for you and for like anybody who's listening so mull on the intro questions you for your gear um you can have one self-defense weapon and I'm going to need to modify these for the 1920s because I'm pretty sure they didn't have nine millimeter Berettas in the 1920s no <laughs> Um, but they would have a 1911 45. Yes. So there would be like, if we could that, um, or a taser, which would also not exist in the 1920s no. or a snub nosed resolve revolver, which Wait I a think, minute. hold on though. Wait, but this is, this is like the twenties with magic, right? Yeah. So maybe a taser would work. Like some kind. Yeah. So some kind of a taser that like, um, harnessed, uh, some type like of an electric energy sprite or lightning spirit or something like, yeah, we, yeah. Could, we could roll with taser. Um, the other gun option is a snub nosed revolver, uh, which I think would exist in. So we don't have to figure out that right now. Guns either. are cool, but you know, I'd like to not have a gun. You want the taser? You want the I, I don't know if taser? I want to. Ta- yeah, I want to think about that though. Let's. Get- yeah, we can probably also, um, since we're doing 1920s, this is meant to be this. The urban shadows <gasps> and these character sheets are meant to be like modern day. Uh-huh. Um, so like they wouldn't have anything historical. So we could totally have you give you have you like a, a fucking cane sword or wait, something. Wait, so what if I totally like the taser, but like we want to like kind of change it a little bit? Like I see like this really dope like. Um, sort of brown leather glove that looks like really like discreet and but it's got these like little brass contacts on the fingers and thumbs and then you touch somebody with that and it's got a mechanism that like drains them of their power momentarily or something yeah you know what I mean it's like it's not it's not like mechanical or electronic it's somehow magical that like it's like an artifact that I picked up somewhere I've got this one glove that makes people faint yeah. I don't know why it does it, but it works. <laughs> no, yeah, I really like that. Um, so I'm just going to put down, like, magic glove. Uh, and, like, all of the adjectives that go with that will be the same as taser. Uh, so that is really good. I like that. This is such a good idea. Having you on this was a good idea. I'm so excited. Okay. I'm excited, too, actually. I'm getting, like, goosebumps and chills alternatingly. Like, what? It was so great. We had this and I was like so worried. Nick was so I'm it's so funny because Nick was like Nick was like, I don't know if I'll be able to commit to this. And I was like, once you get in it, you'll like it. And we'll do like it'll just be like one gaming session a month. It'll be fine. And then like I left and like seriously, like not even 30 minutes after I left their apartment, he sent me like a 500 word text with his entire character backstory <laughs> with like relevant historical figures. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. I was like, yes, I knew it. I love that. I love it. Yeah, no, um, I'm, uh, I'm excited about it too, especially cause like, you know, very shortly I'll have, I'll have plenty of time. I'll have yes. plenty of time. Yeah. Um, it's going to be good. It's just for now I have almost zero. Um, okay. And then for the moves, we can figure out the rest of this later. Um, and then for the moves, you get one called Snoop, um, which is when you keep an eye out for trouble, roll with mind. Um, and you can answer a bunch of questions. And then you get to choose two more. And again, this is something we don't have to do right now. Um, one of them is called Did Your Homework, which is when you put a face to a name with someone politically important, which is at your discretion, whether they constitute politically important or not. Uh-huh. You can roll with mind instead of faction. 
Although I'm not sure if we're going to use factions. Um, I haven't got that far in the game manual. I'm having, I'm reading like 600 pages of game manual and I have a very intense post-it note system, which you might've noticed. Um, yeah. And I'm like basically creating my own custom game manual. So we might want to save this until later, but just to get you thinking on what you might want to choose. So there's, nope. once I set my character up, that's it. Yeah. It's just set in stone. Yeah. Uh, well, you yeah. can change it. Wait, what? I'm being sarcastic. Oh, Okay. Okay. I can't tell. <laughs> you can't see my face. Really I can't either. see your face. Yeah, all I have is your eyes. It's like um, on Home Improvement. Yeah, it's Wilson. <laughs> Wilson. <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, there's also when you unleash with a firearm, we'll roll with mind instead of blood, which like, yeah, actually, let's just save the rest of these moves because I haven't done enough reading to be able to tell you to be able to like help you figure out what would match the way you want to play. And I'm quite happy with what we have for a like charming, paranoid Idris Elba with a magic glove. That's yep. pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm like totally digging it. Yes, I'm very excited. OK, so that is it. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to cover before we wrap this up? I don't think so. I mean, like, again, like, I have so little experience that I don't even know where to begin. I'm, yeah. I'm really, I will say that I'm really excited. This sounds really cool. Like, in my head, um, it, it, I'm thinking of, like, these television shows that I saw when I was young that kind of, like, are like this. Like, magic existed in the world and in this sort of era. Um, and then I'm also thinking about, like, this one movie with Bruce Willis called Last Man Standing, which is takes place in the Prohibition era, era in, like, El Paso, Texas. It's, like, really great. So, like, there's all this, like, these colors and textures that I've got in my mind. But, like, really all I can think about is, like, the look and feel of things rather than the gameplay because I yeah. don't know a lot about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm working on – I need to figure out um, – I was thinking, but I couldn't decide if anybody else would use it. I was thinking about setting up, like, a group Pinterest board where we could pin things. And I'm working on a Spotify playlist. So if you want me to add you to either can of I, those. Can I, can, I, can I curse on this or – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I love Pinterest. Give me, yeah. yes, I love Pinterest. Yeah, I'll set up a group Pinterest board and we can, uh, we can start like jamming on this because I have, I have like a Pinterest board, um, and a Spotify playlist. And I think that, I think that, um, uh, we're still recording, but like any of this can probably be cut. Brendan, um, unless you think something I said is interesting. Brendan is the audio engineer. Yeah. He probably figured out. Cause there's no one in the room right now named yeah. Brendan. What up, Brendan? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, what I was telling them is that, like, I don't think that people, like, I, what I find is that it's when you've never created a character before, or just, like, even if you're coming from a background of the character, like, acting, acting makes a whole different level of it. Uh, and it can be really intimidating to try and feel like you need to create, like, this entire person, whole cloth. So I feel like it's better to sort of just, like, have a couple of ideas and then just kind of, like, get going. Like, yeah. I think that you have enough to probably get going. And if you have, excuse me, a flash of inspiration about, like, your backstory or whatever. But I think that having, like, like three to five adjectives for your character and having, like, a really well-fleshed-out world and knowing the vibe of the world, like, will do wonders. And I feel like, so far, everybody's pretty much kind of there. So we're doing well. Cool, cool. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Um, yeah, I don't even know how to end this because this is going to be like a behind-the-scenes thing if it ever sees the light of day. So thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>
if you want to get into the nitty gritty of the character stats and backgrounds and how the characters know each other, you can listen to the next episode. Otherwise, you can go ahead and jump into the first actual play episode. And if you really love this kind of um, background information and process work and sort of behind the scenes stuff, make sure to check out the Patreon where you can get first access and sneak peeks and behind the scenes on Serendipity City and other projects. The link to that is in the episode description. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Thank you.